Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. Good afternoon. You're listening to 90.7 FM. KALX. I'm Franklin, and this is Berkeley Rock. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's show, the elections. That's right. We'll be joined by David Bluestone, who will discuss Proposition 71. And we'll also be joined by Professor Charlie Downs to give us his perspectives of science in elections. In addition, you can find out what is the epiglottis. So stay tuned for all of this, plus the real famous question of the week. Right here on Berkeley Rocks. Rocks, I'm Frank Ling. And I guess that makes me Charles Lee. How are you doing, Frank? Pretty good, pretty good. I've been thinking a lot these days. About what? Numbers. Numbers are good. What's what's the best number that you've ever heard? I think it is 510-642-5259. That's a pretty good number. Is it prime? Oh, that's a good question. It's a mouthful, though. <laughs> it is indeed a mouthful. 510-642-5259. Where have I heard that number before? And you actually remembered it. It's amazing. Well, you know, it's it's such a catchy number. I would imagine that people would be just calling it all the time or remembering it or talking about it. Yeah, we should call them up one of these days. I think we should, in fact. And what would we say to them? I want to give them a lot of money. Yeah, that's a good number to give a lot of money to. Yeah. In fact, it'd be good if somebody, you know, would call up that number and uh, gave... $87 billion final weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> yeah, and George Bush, if you're out there, I think we know where they are, so why don't you fund us here on the Berkeley Rocks? <laughs> so if anyone is wondering, this is the Pledge Week here at Alex, yes, right? Yes, in, in case they haven't been tuning in and haven't been heard, like, the uh, full week thus far of uh, Pledge programming, we, we are, in fact, in the middle of our annual fundraiser here at KLX. As if the Republican Party still needed more money, right? <laughs> so, yes, indeed. Well, uh... I don't know if we're actually funding the Republican Party here or not, but... Maybe they can fund us. Ah, indeed. But if they want to, they can give us 30 bucks, and what they'll get is the amazing program schedule, the sticker, and a whole campaign button. Wow, that's pretty impressive. I mean, I don't even have that. Yes, but if you're naked and you see something, you should go to 50 bucks, because they'll also give you a free t-shirt. I don't even know what I would do with a free t-shirt. I mean, that's just amazing. How can they do that? It's so amazing. And if you're, you know, want to be a little extra generous, you'll get the shoulder bag instead of the t-shirt. The shoulder bag instead of the t-shirt. Or instead with of the t-shirt or with the t-shirt? Instead of the t-shirt. But if you want with the t-shirt, you have to go up all the way to the team. Oh, my goodness. Well, now you're just talking crazy talk. But <laughs> Yeah. Am I sounding like a salesman now? Well, I don't think anyone would ever confuse this show for a sales show, let's put it that way. No, we're selling science, right? Indeed. And, you know, don't we have like a, we should have like a special gift for those people who call up during this week. How about a um, particle accelerator? Do we have one of those? I guess we don't have one then. We do have an MRI machine on campus, which is very fascinating. Magnetic, too. Yeah, huh? it's only, it's in this uh, sort of like trailer <laughs> out there in the middle of Wellman Courtyard, which makes it interesting to look at, but... <laughs> being used? Yeah, but it's in a trailer. So what stuff can we uh, give away? Well, on the program, we always get a lot of very interesting books. You might have heard 
covered, you know, over the past year, some of the uh, very fascinating authors that we've had on the program. So if you if you call in and pledge during the uh, Grox break, I guess the minimum level, a thirty-five dollar level, we'll send you one of the fine fine books that we've gotten. Indeed. In this uh, this break, and it'll it'll be a surprise unless you have one that. No, it'll just be a surprise. <laughs> uh, very cool. You know, you have to support quality programming here uh, because, you know, where else, where can you find it, right? Yeah, it's real, huh? You'd have to turn to, like, all those commercial stations where really there's nothing going on there. <laughs> right, just Pepsi commercials. Yeah. What's going on with I mean, we're, we're, we're at the National Association of Broadcasters Convention, like, uh, a couple weeks ago, yeah. And, uh, you know, nothing against them. I mean, there's there's a lot of very fascinating things, but uh, I, I would say, like, the bulk of the uh, information at the National Association of Broadcasters was how to sell more advertising time. Right, using Hannity and Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? I don't think either one of them could sell more advertising time. But so if you if you appreciate uh, fine public programming, uh, certainly support the KLX. Right, and of course there's also other fine programs here on the station. Yes, indeed. Not just the Berkeley Grocks. It's the one that I listen to every week. Let's just put it that way. You do? I actually sort of try to, but but uh, some other good stuff include Women in the Arts. Women in the Arts. Yeah. There's the new Sunday morning show. In fact. Okay, the Sunday morning show. This is the Monday show. The Tuesday show. <laughs> <laughs> the Thursday show. Now, they have great programming. I mean, like Straight Jacket, which has been on the air for quite some time. Great right. programming. And, Soapbox uh, Derby. Soapbox Derby. I've, if you ever have a political opinion, which indeed this is a uh, politically charged year. Yes. And in fact, it's our special, uh, I guess, election episode of Grox, in a way, where we'll have on uh, a few people uh, discussing some issues in uh, the, uh, the election coming up. Right. Stem cells, right? Well, yeah, so uh, David Lucent will be joining us in a bit to discuss uh, Proposition 71. Uh-huh. And uh, Professor Charlie Towns will give us his views of uh, the upcoming election. Right, indeed. So uh, stay tuned for that as it comes up. Here on Berkeley Grox. Berkeley Grox only here on 90.7 FM KALX. Well, stem cell research holds the promise of delivering cures for a variety of medical ailments, but the need to experiment on cells derived from human embryos has limited research and polarized public opinion on this issue. The recent federal bans on such research has stymied many investigators working in the field, but this election, California voters will be faced with Proposition 71, which will attempt to allocate $3 billion in grants over the next 14 years for stem cell research. But what are these issues behind this proposition? Well, joining us today on Berkeley Grox to discuss Proposition 71 is Mr. David Bluestone from the Student Society for Stem Cell Research. Mr. Bluestone, thank you very much for joining us today on Berkeley Grox. Thank you. Uh, well, it's really a pleasure to have you on the program. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about, uh, so what is Proposition 71 and what is it trying to do? Well, like, like you said, Proposition 71 is a bond initiative which proposes to authorize $3 billion over the next 14 years for um, grant money that will be not exclusively for embryonic stem cell research, but certainly will be meant towards embryonic 
embryonic stem cell research and all sorts of stem cell research um, for grants for the scientific research in California itself. Well, first of all, how would we go about raising, I guess, this $3 billion? Well, w what we're planning on doing is uh, this is a tax-free bond issue, mm -hmm. and in the state of California, we're in a unique position where the, the public is um, under the mandate where we can authorize um, such funds to be allocated in the future by, pa by, the, by popular passage of um, bonds. Um, so what the $3 billion will end up coming from is the general fund. However, okay. it's tax. It's a tax-free bond, so no new taxes will be created. And eventually, this this money will be one of the many allocations that the general fund slash fund will then be put to use. I see. And uh, are there any limitations, I guess, on the types of uh, research that can be, uh, I guess, allocated using these funds? Ultimately, the $3 billion is meant to be used for all stem cell research. Right now, the most pressing need is, of course, embryonic stem cell research because that's been largely limited, blocked by federal funding restrictions. So a majority of the funding will be aimed at promoting and creating a sustainable program for stem cell research. However, um, there's in the initiative itself, it does state that the funds can be for other regenerative disease medicines, and so that doesn't preclude the usage of this money for adult stem cell research and stuff like core blood research. I see, I see. Critics of the measure, I guess, uh, are somewhat concerned, I guess, about the, uh, the sort of the fiscal amount here, $3 billion, which is, I think, almost 10 times the amount even funded, I guess, with the next highest uh, research project, which is breast cancer research here in the state, and they contend that perhaps this is too big a debt load to really have on the state. You know, there's a number of things you can talk about when you're talking about this bond and the amount of money. First of all, um, I like to look at it as an investment because mm -hmm. you're talking about $3 billion over the next 14 years and in, in the state of California and in the state of California we have an a skyrocketing health care cost, um, one of the worst and highest in the nation and it, studies show, you know, an economic study was just released from Stanford Business Group and it showed that not only will this money that's being allocated to stem cell research be used to create jobs within the mm -hmm. state of California but also it will be utilized the existing infrastructure. California has over 50% of the biotech in the nation, but it will use it to create cures for mm -hmm. degenerative disease. Right now, our skyrocketing healthcare costs is mostly because we, we're stuck treating many, many patients with persistent diseases. And as our population grows older, we're, you know, we can only look to have higher healthcare costs. If we save um, 1% of our healthcare costs, um, the bond pays for itself. So really, this is an investment for the future, and it's a way to fill the vacuum left by biotechs and Silicon Valley's recent problems in the late 90s. So we really feel like it's more of an investment to the future rather than an expenditure that California uniquely is able to, to sustain with it being the fifth or sixth biggest economy in the world. Mm -hmm. it, it certainly would be an investment for the future, but I guess, uh, again, so the, the amount of money that, that's, of course, being asked for, $3 billion, it seems like a lot of critics say, well, this is putting all your eggs in one basket. Shouldn't we be spreading around that investment to all different types of research? Well, like I said before, this is not just for embryonic stem cell mm -hmm. research. If um, if it so happens that there is something pressing in other stem cell related research fields, then this money surely could go to that. I think that in terms of putting our eggs in one basket, this is by no means precluding the possibility of putting money into other infrastructure mm -hmm. opportunities um, in California. All it does, and the reason why it is such a big number, is because we need to provide sustainable research. Mm -hmm. And you know, and particularly in, in funding for science, you can't rely on congressional appropriations for stem cell research 
research and other research of that matter because of its politically charged background. You can't be sure that every three years, um, you know, with the shift of political power mm-hmm. can certainly curtail the research altogether. And if you really want to create sustainable long-term research with mm-hmm. um, real real results and, you know, possible cures, you can't really rely on, you know, the year-to-year dealings with the federal government. Basically, the reason why we're talking about such a long-term investment is right. that we're looking to take the politics out of the process and really give the research a chance and scientists a chance to capitalize on this potential, mm-hmm. which, you know, is commonly agreed upon be, as being, you know, right. very large. Well, this, of course, brings up an issue that um, if it's sort of taken out of the process, then uh, who's actually sort of policing the uh, the amount that or these funds and how they're used? It's sort of uh, it's sort of just sort of an internal policing, which I guess some people might find as being might might hold some conflicts of interest. What the uh, what the bond initiative proposes to do is create a regener- an institute for regenerative medicine, and um, that institute will be governed by a independent citizens oversight committee. That independent citizens oversight committee will be will administer the institute, and it will consist of the chancellors of five UC campuses with mm-hmm. medical schools, presidents or chancellors of eight nonprofit research institutions that are nominated by the governor and the lieutenant governor, treasurer, and controller, mm-hmm. um, and four California for-profit life sciences entities not engaged in stem cell research, so not mm-hmm. willing to, not um, due to make a profit, as well as 10 representatives of disease advocacy groups. What you're talking about is wide oversight by a right. number of citizens in different fields. Mm-hmm. It's certainly laudable, but and of course, uh, then I guess finally, um, since of course you discuss it as being an investment for the future, um, many people contend, of course, that the uh, the technology that of course will result from this would have to, of course, utilize you know um, egg cells taken from people, and this uh, the cost might be prohibitive to uh, people of lower incomes, and so therefore the therapies that result would of course be cost prohibitive, and you would have sort of two classes of people: those that could afford the uh, therapies and those that could not, and so the investment for the future would not really be uh, for everyone, in a sense. Um, I guess the best answer to that kind of question is if we look historically mm-hmm. um, into past undertakings by our governments to cure diseases such as degenerative disease that we're talking about. Um, one example that comes to mind is polio, mm-hmm. um, which is a disease that affected everyone, much like you know diabetes and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's diseases that we're talking about. And right now, the polio vaccine, which is widely available to anyone, saves the whole entire country uh, $30 billion a year. So this is a vaccine. We're ta- I guess the difference is we're talking about about cures rather than treatments. Mm-hmm. And when you're, instead of mitigating um, cures, which is skyrocketing healthcare costs and which is um, a huge burden on each individual family, when mm-hmm. you're talking about personalized treatments, mm-hmm. talking about something that we can be a one-time um, vaccination and something that can uh, cure a person without having them, you know, have the burden of having to come back and keep on paying money and paying money for more medicine and more medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess what we're looking at is, is an overall situation where we would be helping um, each person who's afflicted by the disease with a one-time cure and a one-time fix rather than sustained healthcare costs throughout their whole lives. I see. Well, it, it does look like we're running a little out of time here, but I'm curious. So your group, uh, the uh, Student Society for Stem Cell Research, I guess was holding a, a number of events. I guess they held a teach-in here on the Berkeley campus. I'm curious what, uh, what was discussed there. I think the biggest challenge for initiatives such as this, which is very um, complex, is educating people about what the um, stem cell research actually is mm-hmm. and why it is pressing that we do something about it right now. Mm-hmm.
What we did on the 6th is uh, we had a former Cal alumni come and um, speak about the medicine behind stem cell research mm-hmm. and the, um, some, something about the bioethics behind stem cell research. And then we talked about ways that we can energize the campus over the next month. So far, we've had really good you know, return on that. And you know, we've been able to really educate people and get the word out about why stem cell research is important and why um, it has a great, great potential. If people want to, I guess, learn more about I guess, what your organization is doing, where can they go? If they want to learn about the proposition first off, they mm-hmm. could go to um, www.yeson71.com to get in touch with myself or anyone in, you know, in my group, Student Society for Stem Cell Research. Uh, we're listed um, as a student group on the um, Office of Student Life mm-hmm. website. Uh, very good. Well, uh, Mr. Bluestone, I just want to thank you very much for uh, joining us today on Berkeley Grox to discuss uh, this fascinating proposition, and uh, we'll see what happens this coming election. Yes, we will. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot, Charles, and he was just talking to Mr. David Bluestone from the Student Society for Stem Cell Research. In a few moments, uh, more words about the election from the scientific establishment, so stay tuned. Back to Berkeley Grox. Well, this election year has certainly been one of the most contentious, and many scientists have spoken up over the administration's current science policy. Earlier this year, 48 Nobel laureates signed a letter stating their support for John Kerry, and joining us right now is one of the signatories, Professor Charles Towns from UC Berkeley. Uh, well, I, w- I do support Terry rather than Bush. Now, the reasons behind that are manifold. I would say so far as science is concerned, I think Bush has not been very interested in science, not very appreciative of science, not very objective, and he's gotten advice from scientific groups which he hasn't paid too much attention to, for example, and he wants a scientist to give him the advice that he wants. <laughs> Another thing is that I think Bush has made some very bad mistakes internationally. I think he's really hurting the United States in our relations with other countries. It's true Iraq had great difficulties, and it would have been good to replace the leader of Iraq, as Bush succeeded in doing. It would have been much better to do it as an international cooperative thing, and people would have understood the situation much better. I think we should have insisted on, if we're going to do something, of making it international. And as it is now, it looks like the United States is sort of doing all of this, and we've antagonized the Muslims and so on, and we have to turn that around. And this must be a helpful world where one country helps another and people recognize that and the United States used to look more that way than it does now. Now I think internationally we look very badly. Russia has recently signed the Kyoto Protocol for reducing greenhouse gas emissions. On the other hand, the Bush administration has rejected this since they came into power. How important is it for the U.S. to address global warming? 
Oh, yes, I think we do need to control the greenhouse gas emissions. It's not going to be easy, but I think we need to work hard on it. And that's something Bush has not been willing to push very much on. And it is important in the long run. We also have to concern ourselves with the use of energy because we'll be using up all of the oil and coal and so on in a finite time. Within 100 years or so, uh, most of it will be gone. Mm -hmm. And we've got to find new sources of energy and we've got to be able to control the greenhouse gases and so on. So we need a lot of work on that. And finally, what is the role of scientists in the political arena? Well, science is very important to our civilization and to our lives. We depend a great deal on science and technology, and it's becoming more and more important all the time. It's important for our society, then, to understand something about science and technology. Our society needs to understand it, but some of it is pretty difficult, and so politicians badly need the advice of objective scientists, objective scientists and uh, who can think hard about what's really best for our society and what's likely to happen scientifically and so on. A politician, many politicians recognize that, that they need the advice of scientists because they can't understand science as well as they would like, but they all ought to try to understand as well as they can. And I think all of our, all of our people need to try to understand science and the future of science because that does, is going to affect our society enormously. It already has. It will continue to do so. And I would hope there can be more and more science education, too, for young people. Uh, Professor Towns, thanks for joining us on Berkeley Rocks. Thanks for your time. Well, I'm glad to be here. Best wishes. And we just talked to Charles Towns, Nobel laureate and professor of physics here at UC Berkeley. This is Berkeley Rocks you're listening to here on 90.7 FM. And if you just tune in, this is the Pledge Week here on KLX 90.7 FM, and we have a Berkeley Grok special right now. Uh, if you give us a call, we have tickets for THX 1138, the screening of THX 1138 at the Lawrence Hall of Science this Friday uh, from 7 o'clock. And for those of you who are going, it turns out if you're the first 100 attendee, they'll give you a free ear tag and free tattoo. And also, if you shave your head, uh, it's also half off. So come up, give us a call. Uh, pledge right now. In a few moments, we're going to find out what's that thing on the back of your throat. So, stay tuned. Rocks, and now here's the answer to last week's question of the week. Uh, excuse me while I pick up the phone.
Ja, hallo, das ist Herr Dr. Professor Einstein. Oh mein Gott, die Professor Einstein? Ja, that's right, Herr Dr. Professor Einstein. It's a very good pleasure, because I listen to the Berkeley Gox all the time. It's a very great station, yeah. Wow, and I can understand your English. Yeah, but this is the amazing thing, because, you know, when you're dead, you can speak all kinds of great languages, yeah. Yeah. And, and here, hereafter, you know, we always turn into the KALX 90.7 FM, because, you know, that's the only station we get up here. So how many Deutschmarks uh, do you want to pledge today? <laughs> yeah, this is a great thing because I was listening to the station up here and uh, the great thing was I was going, yeah, I need to pledge to the, first of all, the KALX 90.7 FM. And uh, I, you know, the thing that really got me was I want that t-shirt. Oh, the t-shirt? Yeah, the t-shirt is the greatest thing I've ever heard. I guess the one from last year is getting kind of old, huh? Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it doesn't fill my, I, I've been lifting a lot of weights up here in, in the, the, you know, it's God's gym, you know. <laughs> so is uh, some other fine Austrian helping you out with the weights? <laughs> We're all waiting for that guy. <laughs> He's a very great, very interesting man. And uh, yeah, so let me uh, let me pledge about uh, 35 uh, euros, yeah. Euros? <laughs> I, mean, I don't think we do the Deutschmarks anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. But you know, we have exchange rates a little uh, terrible when you come up here, but it's all right. <laughs> so. Well, Professor Einstein, thanks for uh, pledging again this year. Uh, thank you very much. It's a great pleasure, and uh, I'm going to pledge every year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess uh, we got that pledge out of the way, so now we can get back uh, to doing the question of the week. And now it's time for this week's question of the week. Oh my goodness, another phone call. Uh, hang on a sec. Hello? Konnichiwa. Oh, hi, who's this? Uh, I, I have Tokyo Kid. Oh, uh, the, Tokyo. the Tokyo Kid. Hey, it's the Tokyo Kid Con. How are you doing? Uh, uh, very good. Here is the night time, but I think uh, you are still in the, in the noon? Uh, yes, we, we are indeed. We're in the middle of our, uh, our noontime broadcast. Oh, very good. I never sleep since I'm always in the laboratory, so I can always tune to the Barkley Grocks. Oh, that's great. I mean, we have, uh, we have people calling from Japan. Wow. And uh, I heard this year you want some more yen from us. You, you know, we're always yenning for the yen. So uh, how much would you like to give to uh, the uh, fine station here at uh, Calix? Uh, let's see. How about 3,500 yen? Wow, that sounds like a lot. How much is that? Uh, I think uh, the, the currency is 100 to 1 today, so it's $35. Oh, wow. $35. You know what you'll get for that? Oh, I do not know. Uh, I don't know either, but I think you, you might at least get a t-shirt. <laughs> it's very cold here in Tokyo, so I, I would like a t-shirt. Oh, maybe you should order a couple of them. <laughs> okay. I'll double my French this year. Okay, well, uh, we'll put you down for 70 and We could put, give you a bag for that much, I think. Okay. I don't know if that will keep you quite as warm, though. All right, well, thank you uh, for calling, Tokyo Kid. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Charles. Okay, well, I, I guess we're finally uh, going to go to the answer to last week's question of the week here. Oh, jeez, another phone call. Let's see who it is this time. Hello? Yeah, that's right. That's that crazy Scotsman calling from Scotland. Oh, man, another international call. Hey, that's true. That's not really great because I listen to the Berkeley Grooks all the time, and it's not really great because I have to tune in using the Loch Ness Monster. And it's mean, really dangerous. You mean Big Nessie? Big Nessie, right? You have to squeeze his little nipples, and then you get that signal really good. Oh, my. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's what she says. <laughs> <laughs> this is the old world technology, huh? Nah, it's not really great. It's no better than what you can get anywhere. KALX. What's up this year? What's up? I was, you know, I was listening, and I was going, you know, why don't they ever have any kilts for sale? I always get these t-shirts, and I 
until right bit around my, my groin and it doesn't really cover it not as well as I'd like it to. But it's like authentic wool this year. Ah, that's, oh, that's even better. I guess you will only be able to cover a little bit of my extremely great manhood, I'll tell you that. That's all you need, right? Aye, it is indeed. Well, put me down for another $35 pledge there. Another 35 Oh, that's not a great. There you go, man. Thanks a lot there and good luck to all you guys at Calix. Raise a lot of money because if they may take our land, but then they'll take our airwaves. Thanks a lot. Oh man, okay, well I think uh, hopefully all those phone calls are out of the way, and now it's time for uh, the answer to last week's question of the week. Oh man, another phone call? Alright. Hello? Mm, mysterious and dangerous this force is. Coming from the planet Earth, I feel. Oh my goodness, it's Yoda calling from Dagobah. Hmm, see to me you can. Yes, indeed. Hey, Yoda, how's it going? As green as you possibly could imagine. That's pretty darn green. <laughs> can you send some of that greenness our way? Hmm, your Jedi mind tricks are quite powerful. Indeed I will. Wow, I didn't even know I had Jedi mind tricks. I've learned so much from you, Master Yoda. Hmm, but Twilight falls upon me. Well, that, that might be bad. Uh, do you think there's anything we can do to help you with that? My greenness I'd give to you. Hmm. Oh, all right. How much of that greenness can you offer? $35 of greenness. Wow, they even have de- dollars in Dagobah. <laughs> you know, just for that, Master Yoda, we're going to send you a fine KLX t-shirt, and hopefully that, that will increase the force around you. Cold the winter it is. Protect me the t-shirt well. Mm. Oh, I, I certainly hope so, Master Yoda. All right, well, uh, I think that's the last of our introductions, and uh, now it's time for the answer to last week's question of the week, and it's Forrest Gump joining us to give us the answer to last week's question of the week. My name's Forrest. They call me Forrest Gump. And we want to know what's that thing stick in the back of your throat. Well, it's the epiglottis, and it helps you to talk, and that's what the epiglottis is. Mmm, thank you very much there, Forrest. Ooh, the epiglottis. Ah, and now it's Dr. Lecter with this week's question of the week. Ooh, I like my fava beans with a nice side of Chianti, but I need a little bit of meat to make it all palatable. One of the things that's very good is the spleen, but what does it do? If you know or just think you know, you can email us here at groks at hotmail.com. You won't win anything, but ooh, but you just might keep your kidneys intact. And that's all for a very special edition of Berkeley Grox. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here at Berkeley Grox, email us at grox at hotmail.com. For Berkeley Grox, I'm Frank Wing. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. Have a great afternoon and stay tuned for more music with your host, Katie. <laughs>